This episode is sponsored by Riverside, your all-in-one podcast and video platform. I've been using Riverside for years, super high quality podcast recordings ready in minutes, but listen to this. They just launched Magic Clips, which is their AI powered video clips maker for social media. So I do one podcast episode and get 10 video clips back in minutes. This is game changing for video content creators. Click the link in the show notes and use the code MSM23 for 15% off. This episode is also sponsored by PDC Flow payment management made easy. PDC Flow just built this super cool product called Flow Billing, which helps you avoid late or missed payments from your customers. Flow Billing captures payment information, verifies it to make sure it's valid, and automatically collects invoice payments for the work that you do. So there's no waiting and there's no uncomfortable email or phone call. Visit pdcflow.com flow billing to learn more. I'd just like to take a brief moment of silence to remember those innocent lives that have been lost during the terrorist attacks committed by Hamas in Israel, especially the children, babies, and families that were asleep in their homes. For all the victims of unspeakable terror, let's please take a moment. Thank you. All of my prospects are going to be in this place during these days. How do I leverage that or take advantage of that? And so the first step into it is just to say, you know what? I'm going to fly out there and be in that space. They might be running through sessions and doing that, but, you know, I can find myself in the lobby. I can potentially invite them to a dinner event, anybody that's going to be in that area. I could just take bites of the conference instead of diving all in at the beginning because you have no idea what level of people are going to be involved in this. Are they even going to come out to the vendor floor or the exhibit area and engage with you at that level or are they just caring about the sessions? And you want to start by just entering the conference and just being there and seeing who's there what interactions are happening? How can you leverage this the best? And you might just go, check, that's not one for me. If you're at an early stage startup, you're in the right place. Every startup begins bootstrapped, pre-seed or seed, and that's such an exciting time, but also a really challenging time. 50 to 90% of early stage startups don't make it. We should be able to get our startups over the hump and without guessing or throwing spaghetti. Marketing is an important part of your go-to-market strategy, but you need to understand the why behind the what in order to get clarity, make the right decisions, and get results. Welcome to season four, where I'll be asking why in order to help bring more clarity to the messy world of early stage startup marketing. Hi, it's Anna Fermanov. Welcome back to the Modern Startup Marketing Podcast. So great to have you here. I wanted to bring back Daniel O'Reilly. He is the CEO and founder of Fuel Sales and Fuel K-12. 30 plus years in sales. He's an ed tech sales guru. Let's just <laughs> call you that. That's how I actually am starting to introduce you to people 
Here's Dano. He's the ed tech sales guru. Um, We actually met at Elevate K-12, and it's now a Series C startup. And I'm so glad I met you there, Dano, because now you've kind of almost become like my other half. Because we're like together, we can come together and talk about go-to-market with companies. And it just feels like you're completing me on the sales side. So I'm so glad that we're able to partner up together on that front. Well, that's very kind of you to say. I feel the same. I love that. Okay, so now we're running this EdTech Founders Go-To-Market Bootcamp together. So if you're listening, if you're an early stage EdTech startup, let's chat. We were just talking right before I pressed record with Dano about how the market is hot. The education space, the EdTech space, I can feel it. Folks coming inbound and wanting some help with their marketing and sales, and there's a lot of things going on. It's very active. So Dano, I think you said you feel the same way. So I've had Dano on before. So you can check out episode 117. It's called Marketing and Sales Show Some Respect. It's basically around marketing show respect to sales. Sales should show some respect to marketing. We talk about how a lot of people show hate for cold outbound. Why is that the case and what's the best approach? We talk about what makes someone a really good SDR. We talk about the interesting commonalities of doing paid ads, plus how that relates to SDR outreach. And we talk about what's the best approach to align marketing and sales to help amplify your business impact. So a lot of really juicy stuff covered in there. This episode, I want to focus on, so this is, so we're in season four of the show and it's all about the why. So I'm asking a lot of why questions because I think why matters And a lot of people do the tactics, the what, and they're not sure why they're doing those things. And I think coming back to the why, the strategic side is really important. So something I've been working on, it's a systematic approach called mass marketing as a system. And after working with all these early stage startups across over three years, I developed this process. So I give startups this process and I help them understand the why behind it because I truly believe if you understand the why behind the what, you'll have the clarity to make the right decisions and get results. Okay, so here's a juicy why question, Dano. Okay. Let's talk about pain. Do you like talking about pain? I don't know if I love talking yes. about pain. It's one of my it's favorite one of your topics. Ta- yeah, Absolutely. we're not talking about like yes. the pain when, I don't know, somebody hits you in the leg. We're talking about buyer pain. Why does fully understanding your buyer's pain matter so much for salespeople and marketers? What do you think? I think pain is the key to engaging with your market. Um, They don't necessarily care so much. And when I say they, I mean the prospects. When you're reaching out, they don't care about the features and the benefits and all the things like that. They don't care about product level conversations as much as they care about the fact that you can relate to a struggle or a frustration or a concern that they have. You know, pain in this sense is more about a company is going through a process and they're not getting the outcomes that they're looking for. They have some kind of negative emotion around a situation and they need to figure out how to change. And so engaging with somebody with that conversation around pain is so much more productive and engaging with the prospect than just trying to pitch your product because your prospect is then required to connect the dots between the product 
and solving a pain on their side. If you don't know what they're struggling with or what their pain really is, it is very difficult for you as a salesperson to kind of fit them in and say, this is why you would want to use what we have to offer, right? If you just spend all your time pushing, pushing, and pushing, it, it's hard for that prospect to then connect the dots and make it happen. So, yeah, we can all connect on like that pain level that it ties into emotion, does, right? Yeah. And we've talked about this, Dano, before where pain, emotion, you got to bring that out if you're going to engage someone and interest them to think about potentially solving their pain, solving their problem with whatever you have to offer. Otherwise, if you don't connect to that, then it's just going to be a, okay, great. I know about your product. I'm not going to buy it. Yeah, right. I mean, we've talked about that picture, right? The the buyer's process and how emotion is developed as they move through that process. And if someone is not emotional enough about a pain, they're not going to make a change. They're not going to adjust or change anything. They're just like, oh, I'm, I'm happy with the way it's going. I'm fine. It may be a problem for them or something they may be struggling with, but if there's no emotion there, if it's just like, well, it is the way we do it, there's no need for change. Therefore, there's no selling them, basically. Yeah. And people don't really like change. So that's why it makes it hard to get them to change. So how do you know if you really understand your buyer's pain? What are some signals or maybe what are the best ways to know that you're on the right track? Because there could be like multiple pains, but maybe one is really strong and you should focus on that because that's the one that matters. How do you know if you really are understanding your buyer's pain? Well, understanding a buyer's pain is all about talking through the process. A pain resides within a step in a process. The company is executing down a plan or a process and they are going through bumpy roads as they go through that. And it's your job as the sales rep to have that A to C process question, you know, A to Z process question, basically, I mean, conversation. And so the way you start to realize that, yeah, there is something there is all centered around the emotion you start to get from the prospect. You know, you can have a very factual process conversation. Tell me about how you do this. And they're walking through it very factually. There's no emotion about it. They're just telling you, this is what we do. Here's how we approach it. And in the beginning of the conversation, you're probably going to hear a lot of we, us, our. They're going to start in that manner and saying, this is how we do these things. Our process looks like this. These are the people that are involved. And as you go through it. But when you start triggering emotion in that person and they start engaging you in a conversation that sounds more like I, me, my, with the starts of those things, they're starting to share with you more of a personal connection or a personal challenge with it. How is it impacting them specifically? So that's one way to tell, you know, those triggers of the different way they start communicating, because when they're talking about the business, they're detached. It's just like, this is how the business does it. But when they start talking about how they're part of it, that begins the process of developing the emotion. And then they're going to start sharing feelings with you. Like, this is frustrating. It's a hassle. That's when you 
start to be like, oh, okay, we've got something here. Let's develop this a little bit more. It does make sense. Yeah, I know I've talked to you because I am always with my marketing hat on. But mm-hmm. now that I own my own business, I have to put my sales hat on. And yeah. so a lot of these like discovery conversations that I am having with companies that are interested in potentially working together, I remember talking to you and you were like, giving me this advice to bring out the emotion more, right? Because if you truly do understand where that emotion resides, then you can better connect and engage with them and help them see just how frustrating something is for them. So you had given me the advice of like, how does that make you feel? On one hand, I'm like, I'm going to ask them how they feel on this discovery call. That just is strange. But now I after talking to you and working that through my process, I realize why I have to do it. Yeah. It can be uncomfortable to just, you have to do it the right spot, right? Right. You can't just start off with, hey, how do you feel? But you (laughs) also can, one of the big things to help in moving someone along is to empathize. And so empathy is not necessarily saying, how does that make you feel? It's more of saying, based on what I'm hearing from you, if I was in your shoes, that would make me feel and trying to trigger response that way and so or trigger emotion that way. And so when you're engaging with somebody and you're walking through this process and you feel someone is maintaining this more factual approach to it, if you are feeling something from it, meaning if you were the person doing that process and it feels like, wow, there's too many steps, this is a hassle, it could be frustrating, then share that. And be like, man, that sounds like it'd be really frustrating. That sounds awful. I would hate to be you. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not said in that way, but. Your world sucks. (laughs) Your world sucks, but But, I know what could help you, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. Okay, so I wanted to talk about this buyer pain. We actually talked about this, had a conversation around this the other day. And I thought, I want to bring this into the conversation because pain and understanding pain matters a lot. I think it also ties in with how do you talk about your product in a way where it's a pain killer and not just a vitamin? So I think about that quite a bit. For my business, for clients that I work with, I think it's really important. Let's talk about conferences. Sure, yeah. Because conferences are huge. They're huge in ed tech, but also outside of ed tech as like part of the go-to-market strategy. Conferences are pretty big. And I was talking to an early-stage startup co-founder recently. Mm -hmm. They went to a conference to network and to help drive awareness of what they're building. It's a seed-funded startup. But going to a conference can be expensive because you have to pay for stuff like you got to fly there, you got to stay at the hotel, maybe getting a ticket to the conference. And that doesn't even include, you know, if you have a booth or if you have something else set up there. And we talked about the results that they got and was that worth the investment? What results should an early stage startup expect? from a conference. If well, should you even go to a conference if you're Yeah, I mean I, I think we talk about yeah. that because early stage folks, that's a big outlay of an expense to go to a conference. But it's also if you think about why a conference is so important to these folks is that face-to-face interactions with your prospects are very very important in edtech. Um you have the opportunity to engage with these folks all in one place. A conference brings together your entire group of prospects into one location 
and it makes your prospecting efforts so much more efficient as well as productive because you're face-to-face with them. But going to a conference doesn't mean that you have to get a booth. Sometimes it doesn't even mean you have to get registered for the conference and pay for the conference. You're saying that quieter as Uh, if it's a little secret. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of people don't think about it that way because it's basically just saying all of my prospects are going to be in this place during these days. How do I leverage that or take advantage of that? And so the first step into it is just to say, you know what? I'm going to fly out there and be in that space. They might be running through sessions and doing that, but, you know, I can find myself in the lobby. I can potentially invite them to a dinner event, anybody that's going to be in that area. I could just take bites of the conference instead of diving all in at the beginning because you have no idea what level of people are going to be involved in this. Are they even going to come out to the vendor floor or the exhibit area and engage with you at that level? Or are they just caring about the sessions? And you want to start by just entering the conference and just being there and seeing who's there, what interactions are happening, how can you leverage this the best? And you might just go, check, that's not one for me. And in that case, I just paid for a flight in a hotel. That's it. I didn't pay for anything else or engage in any way outside of that. And you probably did get some benefit from it just being there. And then the other side of it, too, is you can just do a session here and there. You can go to the sessions and engage in conversation in the sessions and ask questions and share your thoughts on things. And people are like, who's that? What are they? So there's so many ways you can work the conference and not necessarily go, let's go all in and get a bigger booth and... But if you do that, then it's a whole nother story about how do you work the booth side of it the right way? And how do you make sure people are coming to your booth and follow up after the booth, your specialty? So there's a lot to a conference. And when you ask what should people expect out of the conference, it's a really tough question to answer until you really know the conference and know the engagement the company is going to have with the conference. Well, let's say you went to a conference and you're like, yeah, this seems great. There's like a lot of people here. There are thousands of people and my prospects are here. And I I definitely want to start meaningful conversations. Should you expect to just make some connections and then have a list of emails that you can follow up with maybe 10 or 15, like at a thousand people conference. Mm -hmm. Is that a good result? I think the most important thing and what you're trying to say is first, you need to figure out like, is that the right conference for you? Are the right people there? And once you figure that out, if the right people are there, like, what's your plan? If you're going to do a dinner, do a dinner, invite people and then figure out like, okay, did that, how was that dinner? Did people come? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the metrics that I'm looking at, I don't want to just create awareness, right? Well, that is going to be a big opportunity for me, and I am going to create awareness from that. I want to be able to say, how many conversations did I have with people, and how many of those actually converted into an you know an opportunity that's ongoing with next steps? And so many companies don't take full advantage of all of those pieces. Like they just run to the conference don't necessarily really promote it as much as they could in the front end. They get there and they're just sitting at their table, looking around, waiting for people to come to them. And then they pile get all of these cards from people that 
there's so many different levels of engagement that they might have had with somebody. They just threw a card out there or they had a full demo that they had an opportunity to do in there. Um, and then it's like, these people are not going to remember fully about you unless you are persistent on the back end of it and really responding to them and saying, it was great connecting with you. Here's the next step and trying to get things moving. So you should be, if you go to a conference and you have a booth, you should be expecting opportunities from that. You should be able to directly tie opportunities that you created in revenue that was generated from that conference right back to it. I would say it's not a success if you're not paying for the conference by much more than than what you spent on the conference. That's right. If you're not getting anything back, especially if you have a booth, if you don't have a booth, I think what you just said about metrics, right? You don't just want to create awareness. How many conversations do you have? The company that I spoke to, they said that they had these really interesting t-shirts, right? So whatever you have, a hat, t-shirt, something that kind of stands out and gets people interested, you come up to them. A shoeshine booth. <laughs> shoeshine, whatever you want to create, right? Those photo <laughs> booths or something, right? Yeah. And so how many conversations, I like that, the metrics, how many conversations did I have and how many of those converted into an opportunity with next steps? Because then you kind of know, okay, was that a successful conference or not? And really that's what results you should expect from a conference. If you're especially if you're early at an early stage startup, you just don't have time to just go to a conference, pay for all of that, and then hang out and go to the sessions, right? You want to actually do yeah. something that's helping to grow your company. Right. Awesome. Okay. Just wanted to like throw that conference thing in there because I know that you have thoughts and you've had so many experiences and have seen so many good examples and so many bad examples of so how many bad examples. so many bad examples. Yes. <laughs> a lot of bad examples with booths. Yes. We're not going to talk yes. about that now, but I can certainly bring you back to talk about conference booths. It's like a whole <laughs> other hour. It is. Okay. It so is. early stage startup sales, when is the right time to bring in SDRs? I want to talk about SDRs and timing mm -hmm. and when that should happen. And then also when is the right time to hire your first head of sales? And I think I have the timeline accurate, right? You don't wanna hire your first head of sales first. You wanna hire the SDRs first, right? Let's talk about that. Yeah, so let's make sure everybody understands the SDR. So SDR is the prospector. That's the person who's going to be out there prospecting and engaging and then they hand that off. but. That is an early stage person. And so they need a lot of direction, handholding, and support through the process. You cannot just bring them in and expect them to just figure it out. And so an SDR comes in after process is really developed, like messaging, process, all that work is developed and tested. And so being able to say, I have a cadence that they're going to be using, like this outreach cadence that they're going to execute on. I know what message to be delivering out into the market to generate interest. I know the process that they need to go to uncover that pain and really decide if this is a good fit and how they transition that to me so that I can do the demo and manage the sales process. You have to have systems in place, like we need to have a database and a CRM. And so there's this foundational work that has to happen before you ever bring in your first hire on the sales side. But the SDR, you're right, is probably one of the best first hires on the sales side because 
Early stage companies, they're founder-led. The founders out there are all passionate and excited about what they are trying to sell. And at some point, they get bogged down in the work of they've got multiple different hats to wear. And they and the biggest time suck for them is always going to be prospecting falls off. They just, they're not going to prospect as much. They'll take the inbound leads as they come and people referring and things of that nature, but they're not going to prospect. So if they want to start scaling, they can bring the SDR in. They just need to have that foundational stuff really built out so they can kind of hand them a plan and say, run with it. And I know how to hold you accountable because I've done it and I know what it takes to be successful. And if you don't do these things, if you don't have that, it becomes kind of a, a waste because that person will flounder way too much and you're just going to be like, I hope they make calls. I hope they get things done. And there's not really a, a full strategy in place. And that's why I love working with you, Daniel, because I your method is very systematic. And I also have a method that's very systematic with, mm-hmm. when I come in and serve as like a fractional head of marketing with startups. I think the system that you built, it works really well and you can see the impact it has on the company. And so I... Super love that. You said something really important. You said these SDRs, they can't just figure it out. They come in after the messaging is developed. And that's on the founders, co-founders, right? To have that set, who you're for, what are you offering them, your positioning, your messaging, all that stuff. And you've done the founder-led sales and it's working and you're getting traction. And then you bring in the SDR to kind of like take over and have them execute on your outreach cadence. This is really, really important stuff. Absolutely. One of the things I know that has happened with startups kind of like crashing and burning from this is they thought that their messaging and positioning was this way, right? And they Mm -hmm. brought in the SDRs and then they call and they email and they're using what they think is the appropriate positioning messaging. And it's actually not right. And so all of that ends up confusing people. They're not getting interest. They're not building pipeline. They're not converting into revenue. And they have to go back to the drawing board and reconfigure their positioning messaging and all that. So it's really important to figure that stuff out before you bring in SDRs. Yeah. And I'll tell you one key to understand that better, whether or not you have market, you have your messaging right is that messaging and engagement with inbound or referrals are completely different than engaging cold prospects. So you do have to do the work of attempting to do outreach to people who don't know you, who have not been referred to you, because the people that are really investigating and asking for referrals and coming inbound to you, they just get it. Your messaging doesn't have to help them to kind of move past those stages of, and so an SDR is going to be reaching out to the breadth of the universe, basically. And so the results are not going to be similar. So just make sure that your messaging has been tested on a cold market versus a very warm or hot market that you're working with. Awesome. I love that. Thanks for pointing that out. Okay. We have a minute here. I always like to end with, ask me anything. What burning question do you have for me? I think you prepared something, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I saw some of your notes at the bottom too. And I was like, you know, this is a, why 
does marketing have to be aligned with revenue? I love that why, and I have my own opinions on it, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on it coming from the marketing side. Um, If you don't know what marketing you're doing, it's almost kind of like going back to the conference conversation. If you're just like flying to the conference and having some conversations and then you go back and you're like, that was a good conference. I had some good conversations and you don't know what impact it had on business growth, then it's a waste. And the same thing ties back to your marketing. If you are doing all these tactics and marketing plays and campaigns and you don't know if they're actually working, then it's all a waste. So yeah, I mean, it's all part of the go-to market, right? Marketing, sales, customer success, retaining your customers and your product. And I think more and more, I just read an article today that said like the CMO role has kind of transformed in not just your marketing needs to tie to revenue, but your marketing also needs to help the company figure out what are we innovating for? What does the future look like? Because then you can have a bigger impact with business growth. And I don't have all the specifics because I didn't read that article specifically, but it made me think of like the CMO role and what it means it's definitely more of like a pipeline and revenue, but it's also very much tied to product yeah. and working closely with the product team and seeing like, what is it that, what's the pain, right? What's the pain you're solving? Mm-hmm. How do you think about that into the future? Because there's so much change going on all the time, right? And I think if you understand where the market is going, then you can help the company figure out like how to innovate to where the market is going. I know that's a lot to place on the head of marketing or the CMO, but it's all a bit tied back to revenue. Yeah, being able to connect the activities and actions that you're taking back to how they generated revenue is just, that's a big deal. Big yeah, deal. glad I included some why questions in the appendix in the Google <laughs> Doc so that it helped you <laughs> figure out what to ask me. Oh, it helped me a lot. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you, Dano. It is such a pleasure always to have you on here. And I always like to couple my marketing knowledge with a salesperson, sales guru like yourself. So thanks for joining me. Always a pleasure, Anna. Thanks for listening to this weekly episode of Modern Startup Marketing. New episodes are dropping weekly, so make sure you're following wherever you get your podcasts. You can find me on LinkedIn, search for Anna Fermanov, visit my website to learn more about how I help early stage startups, go to fermanovmarketing.com, and don't forget to leave a review if you're loving the show.